0: The following podcast contains explicit language.
1: Hello, this is Sex Lives, New York Magazine's podcast about sex. Every week, we invite you, our listeners, to call in with your opinions, questions, complaints, and your crazy personal sexual stories. And so this week, I am enlisting my trusty producer, Alana Milner, to help me listen to a few of our favorites and to call a few of you back. During the episode Gay Son of a Preacher Man, our guest Christopher Trout made this sort of offhanded joke about the hand he uses to masturbate with. And from that, um, we wondered whether it's even possible to masturbate with your non-dominant hand. Does anyone do that? And the responses were actually overwhelming. It turns out lots of people masturbate with their non-dominant hand. We, there were people who said they do it that way so that they can toggle porn with their dominant hand because you can't really use your computer left-handed if you're right-handed. And some people that said ambidexterity was like a complete turn-on to them, which was a thing I've never thought about. But there was one caller named John who had a sort of psychosexually intriguing division of labor between his hands.
2: Welcome to your Sex Lives voicemail.
3: First message. Hi, this is uh, John. I uh, live in the city and I was listening to the podcast and I do masturbate with my non-dominant hand. I am left-handed and I masturbate with my right hand. And I don't know why I do everything else and uh, play baseball when I used to be masculine and try to do that. Uh
1: it cut off right after he was describing something that sounded really intriguing to me, this idea that he did everything right-handed, including his sort of masculine, quasi-straight life, it sounds like. And then at some point, he started masturbating with his left hand. And I don't know, that division of labor was really interesting to me. Huh. His public life was right-handed, but then his, the private sexuality
0: world was left-handed. left-handed. I'm interested in, the, in like, when did the left hand come into play? Yeah. And how, when did he notice that? And... Ooh, yeah, I want to know more. Yeah, let's give him a call. I want to know what, <laughs> what we missed when that call cut off. Let's talk to John. Maybe he was in the subway. <laughs> the city being, I imagine, there's only one city he's referring to. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I'll give him a call.
1: Hello. Hi, this is Maureen from Sex Lives. Is this John? Hey, for you, yeah. Hi, uh, my producer Alana Milner's on the line too. Hi, John. Okay. Hi. <laughs> we got your voicemail about masturbating with your non-dominant hand, and the message kind of cut off a little, but it was right when you were just saying that you do everything else with your right hand, like that your sort of public life, including when you played baseball when you were trying to be masculine, was with your right hand? Yeah.
3: Yeah. Well, it's actually with my left hand. So oh, that's left hand. What- your left-handed. Yeah, that's Yeah, so that's what I thought is kind of weird about it is that I am left-handed, which is, Uh like, obviously more unusual, and I do everything. Like, I can't think of a single thing that I don't do with my left hand except masturbating. I use my right, and I don't know why.
1: When did that—it's almost like your right hand is, like, your private hand, right? That your left hand is your, like, all-public-activity hand? Right. <laughs> when, when did, do you remember like how, was that just from the very beginning of masturbating for you? Do you remember when you first started masturbating?
3: Uh, I do. Yeah. Um, I was in eighth grade and I just remember like finally figuring out how to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was with, it was definitely with my right hand. And I don't know why, because I've been in situations since then, like with other people, where it would make more sense, like based on where you are in like the bed or whatever, to use my left hand, but it just doesn't work the same. I just can't like get the same control.
1: Were you like, like, like looking at porn with your dominant hand or something at the time when you first started?
3: Yeah, that might have something to do with it because when I do look at porn, like it's nice to have a free, a free hand, <laughs> and obviously it's easier to like navigate a computer. Oh, although now that you say that, I guess, and I think most left-handed people do this, I would usually use a mouse, like back when people still used mouses Uh more. I would use my right hand because that's always where the mouse is on a computer. So it's all very confusing.
0: Wow. um, John, were you... When you first started masturbating, did you you have a model in mind? Like, is it something you'd seen someone do or or heard about someone doing with their right hand specifically?
3: You know, I don't think that I do. Because I I just remember, like, like when you're younger, when you're, like, Mm -hmm. you know, sort of starting puberty as a male, I think that you sort uh, of—I don't know where you get the idea, but you sort of start to understand what happens. And, Uh like, you don't really know, because I do remember, like, trying it a couple times and, like, nothing happening. And you're, like, thinking, was that it? Did I do it? And then you, like, (laughs) finally successfully do it. And, uh, like, once you successfully do it, you go, like, oh, okay, that's what it was. Like, that is what (laughs) happens in the end. Whereas before, you're, like, I don't really know. So I don't think that I had any sort of model, because I think Uh I was too young to, like, really be interested in porn.
1: Yeah, that's funny. You know, what this reminds me of is um, I when I was like a child and like in high school and stuff, I played the cello and I'm right handed. But when you play a string instrument, your left hand is the one that you're like doing the sort of difficult stuff with, because that's the hand that you hold the neck of it. And, you you know, you move you play on the frets or on the strings. And I always wondered, I was like, could I secretly have been ambidextrous or could I secretly have used my left hand? Because it turns out I can be dexterous with my left hand. Perhaps. Right. Yeah. I wonder if this suggests if you can get that level of control or like it works better that you just have different motor functions for each hand. Yeah,
3: I don't know, because then I try to use my right hand for other things. Like, you know, you try to write with your non-dominant hand uh-huh. once in a while. Yeah. And it's just like I, I just can't do it. <laughs> like it just does like it's not even like, oh, I can kind of do it. It's like totally like nothing's happening. just, you just like you just, like
1: automatically fillet the pencil because you're just like, that's what the right hand does. That's just its <laughs> that's one it secret skill. Yeah. <laughs> when yeah, you, exactly. If you were to jack off someone else, do you use your left hand or right hand?
3: Oh, gosh, because I hate jacking off other guys. Ah. Like, it's not something that I like doing. So I that's find just it. neither hand. <laughs> that's neither hand. I guess I would use... I'm trying to think. I guess I would use... Uh, I guess it could go either way because I just think that, like, my personal philosophy is uh, because I'm gay. So, like, mm. I sort of get involved in this. Um, I-, I believe that no man can jerk someone off better than they themselves can jerk someone uh. off. So, like, I don't like giving hand jobs. I don't like receiving hand jobs. I just think that it's a waste of time.
1: But here's my question Isn't every hand job really like half hand, half mouth? Like, you know? <laughs> yes.
3: And I've definitely heard you say that on the podcast. (laughs) um, I think so. But then there's some times where it's just like, you know what? I'm just going to totally do this with my hand. And I just think that that's a waste of
1: time. I see. If someone else is offering to give you a hand job, are you just kind of like, nah, I got this?
3: If somebody else offers me like, I'll give you a hand job, I would rather say, no, let's just jerk off together. Like if that's as far Ah. as you want to go. Let's just finish ourselves off next to each other, which I'm fine with. I think that that's a fun activity.
1: Got it. Good. Ah. Thank you. Do you have any other questions for
0: him, Alana? No, that was, that was great. I was, I was so curious. I'm so glad to hear the rest of that. Yeah. But the voicemail cut off, and I was like, but what? What?
3: <laughs> yeah. Oh, good. Oh, my God.
1: Thank you. Where, where do you live, John?
3: Uh, so I live in the city, but I uh, commute to Vermont every week to work during the week. So I live in the city on the weekends, which is how I got into the podcast, because I get ah. into, I've get i gotten ah. into, like, a lot of different podcasts now. So I listen to it when I drive up and down uh, oh, on okay. Monday.
1: What are you yeah. doing up in Vermont, if you feel uh, like telling us I you don't have a, to?
2: <laughs> that's
3: all right. I work for a pottery company.
1: Oh, my goodness. How interesting. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. it's a lot of fun.
1: Are you a potter? I don't.
3: No, I don't make the pottery, so I don't use my hand. <laughs>
1: I was going to say, do you use your right hand in making pottery? Well, thank you so much for
0: entertaining our questions.
3: <laughs> sure. Happy to help.
0: Thanks so much, John.
1: Have a good thank day. Thank you.
0: Yeah. Bye. 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 I'm happy to know that somewhere out there, someone is using both hands to the greatest potential.
1: Why don't we call, if we can call the second person, the pregnant woman? Okay, Sarah? Just because, yeah. Awesome, okay. Hello? Hi, can I speak with Sarah? Speaking? Hi, this is Maureen O'Connor from New York Magazine Sex Lives podcast. Um, <laughs> I heard, is this a weird moment? Really? Yeah, it is. Hi. Hi, how are you? I was just listening to our voicemails and do you have time to talk now? I wanted to ask you a question about one you left recently.
2: Uh, sure. Yeah. I've got time now. Next message. Hi, Sarah here. I just listened to the episode with EJ and I wanted to say, I'm so happy to hear that I was not the only crazy pregnant woman who was horny all the time. Uh, for me, it manifested that I mostly, uh, had like, super wet dreams every night yeah like sex in my dreams and I'd end up having like three or four orgasms almost every night I kid you not um so I kind of took care of it that way and also after my kid was born she's three now um it manifested like in kind of like a revolution for myself of like I want to get to know my body and what I really like and what um, really turns me on. So I am now having the best sex of my life, post-baby. You said
1: that your sex life after, during pregnancy, that, you know, you had sort of the same feeling EJ did of becoming hornier and such. And then you're saying that now, after giving birth, you feel like your sex life is better than ever. Um, it's,
2: yeah, I would say so that's totally true. What's What's different about it? Uh, well, I ditched her dad. That's part of it, um, <laughs> to be frank. Um, but uh, so it's kind of it's a funny story. But like, I think what happened for me, I was twenty, I was twenty seven when I had her. Mm-hmm. You know, afterwards, like the healing process was like just crazy, of course. And I was not interested in anything sexual for a long time. But I also was like dealing with this slow breakup, so that mm-hmm. was part of it too and um but i also think that what happened was like i gave myself like full permission to learn my body and like in in its new form too cuz like honestly like things move around a little bit down there afterwards so like just dealing with like a a new landscape and like a new comfortability with my body. Cause you know, like, I mean, also just like my breaths are totally different than they were like, just totally different. Um, and, uh, yeah, like, I just like, I don't know. I threw myself into the next, like lover relationship that I had, um, really fully. And, you know, if I'm someone I trusted, but like, it's just been like a totally new um, paradigm of like, of, of sexuality for me because, um, I am just like really open to like asking for what I want and mm-hmm. getting what I want, but also like things that I thought, like, I don't know, like, like, Good girl like good girls don't do. I'm like, no, I'm doing that and I like it and that's fine. So you started you started seeing
1: him then when what, two years after giving birth then? If you're saying you've been together for about a year?
2: Yeah, yeah. So I was with her dad until she was just two and then Mm -hmm. we started seeing each other a few months afterwards and I thought it was just gonna be like purely sex. Like I was like, Well, we're just this is fun. And it's it's definitely more than that. I mean we don't live together or anything, but Mm -hmm. like she she just went on her first date with him like my daughter is like just starting to like get introduced in a more relationship way so that's kind of fun too but like yeah i mean um let's see i i'm really way more comfortable with anal sex now and it's actually enjoyable for the first time and i don't think that's yeah I don't think that's because, like, the landscape has changed so much, but, like, I'm with a partner that I trust, and it's kind of—it's fun and different and something that he's into, and I can get into it, too. Um, How crazy. It's sort of,
1: like—it's funny, because when I think about the idea of being pregnant and giving birth, it always sort of freaks me out because I think that I'm like, oh, I'm going to lose control of my body. But it sounds like that process made you feel more in control of your body.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I think— I think that's it. Like I think I totally I think that was like the gateway to getting control cuz like, you know, I grew up in like a pretty like sexually repressed environment where like my sex talk was from my dad saying like if you get pregnant feel free to ask me to get an abortion. I won't talk to anybody about it. More or less. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like people like don't have a kid too young, basically. Um And I did that anyway, but like, yeah, I lost complete control, like had to do pelvic floor therapy, still feel like I actually have another follow up tomorrow because I do feel like I still have some things that are like uh, maybe complications of having a Mm -hmm. totally natural vaginal birth. Having, you know, stitches in two places and (laughs) my labia, like, it's crazy. And then, like— I
1: guess it forces you to really just think it through in a way that you can kind of take your body for granted sometimes. Um, Mm. But when there's a really big change, you sort of have to be conscious of your body.
2: Right. The other thing is, like, oh, well, Mm -hmm. how do I want to teach my daughter about her body? Because, like, I was so out of touch with my body. I think you were talking to the woman with, like, the British accent about— Mona. Yeah. Yeah, Mona. I loved that one. And She's like, wonderful. You know, like, how do I want to talk to my daughter about her body? Because, like, I didn't I didn't really, like, even delve into it until, like, I was in my 20s. I wasn't really having satisfi- sex- satisfying sexual relationships until, like, now, you know? So mm-hmm. it's, like, it's one of those things where it's, like, well, how am I going to do this next time? But it's, yeah, it's, like, it's, you're going out and through the other end of, like, losing total control, being, like, you know, an engorged wet nurse for, I, I nursed for two years. Oh wow. Um, I think also having to find a new sexual partner is something in it too. Cause like, I really had to think about it for myself as like, am I still a woman? Am I just a mother? Do I, am I just being seen as a mother? And that was like a hard question for me. Cause like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm 30 years old. Like I want it, I want a fulfilling sexual relationship. Mm-hmm. And I was like, guys just see me as a mom with this like snotty little kid and that's obviously not the case at all. Before I was with my friend I was on vacation with a friend and I like had a one night stand and I, I told a friend, I was like, I feel like it's the first time I like gave myself permission just to be like properly fucked. Like, I don't care what this stigma is about having a one night stand or having me get some, like, I'm gonna go for it and I went for it. And it was I think that was like the first little trick of like all right, I'm okay. I'm gonna be okay in this. He saw me. He thought I was sexy. I still look pretty good for having a baby, and I'm gonna just keep going with this. Can I go
1: back to one thing you said earlier that you said you were rethinking about what you're gonna tell your daughter about her body or how you're gonna teach her these things? Um, mm, what, yeah. So, what have you decided or what have you sort of figured out so far? I realize it is probably relatively early. I, I, oh, I have the, no clue how much kids who are three talk.
2: Do kids who are three they talk? Tons. They talk. Well, that's the thing too, is that <laughs> I don't think it's too early, and like I think that now is the time for her to know. Like she calls her, she calls her private parts her vulva. Like that's that's what it is. It's her vagina is internal. Her vulva is you know external. That's amazing. Like, even just that clarity of like where her parts are. I'm trying to teach her. She asked yeah. me where her pee hole is the other day, and I'm, like, kind of trying to explain that, but not really. <laughs> I feel like a lot of
1: adult women don't know where their pee holes
2: are, right? <laughs> I know it. And my mom didn't. I was like, no, Mom, that's really not what's happening there. She always told me. She's like, no, no, it's hygiene. It's behind your vaginal canal. I'm like, no, actually, <laughs> that's totally wrong. That's not it. So it's really funny. But, um, Yeah. She wants to know those things. Mm -hmm. Um, there was a great article in the Huffington post actually just to give credit to this idea. But like, you know, the author like came in and saw her daughter touching her vulva in the living room. And you know, she took a beat and then was like, uh, we touch our vulvas in the bedroom or in the bathroom. Like if you want to go there and touch your vulva, you can. Mm -hmm. And like, that's kind of my philosophy now. It's like, yeah, there's a time to touch your genitals and it's, in your bedroom or the bathroom. So make your way or pull your pants up, you know? And, (laughs) and that's kind of it right now. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I think my other, my other thing that I'm feeling like I want to instill in her is like, not that I want to have her like sexually active early, but I feel like when you can tell a partner what feels good, when you can say what doesn't feel good, when you can say what you want, when you can talk, when you can let, I remember like when I started having sex, I was 18 and my doctor told me like, just make sure you examine his penis every time to make sure there's no, and I was like mortified, Mm -hmm. you know? And it's like, should you be having sex if you're mortified about talking about what a penis should look like? Like, I don't think that that's actually the good time to be having sex then. You know what I mean? Like, I think there, of course, it's the other member, whatever, there's times to get comfortable with that. But like, I just feel like I want to instill with her, like, you you need to know what you're looking for in a way. Like, you need mm-hmm. to know what your body wants and how your body works. Like, yeah. And I don't know how to say that, of course, as she gets older, but um, hopefully I'll figure it out. Because I mean, like, I didn't. I didn't even masturbate before I had sex. Like I didn't either because I, I was a
1: teenager and I just sort of like, they were all yeah. sort of like things you learn about kind of simultaneously and you, you're sort of not supposed to do any of them. So you're like, so right. I know I'm not supposed to do any of these, but if I were to do them, which one do I do first? And like, nobody would give you that answer because they were all supposed to be things you didn't do. <laughs> exactly.
2: Exactly. Like nobody so, would tell yeah, me which one was, was the of... gateway
1: drug. So I didn't know that masturbation is the gateway. And you do that one first. <laughs>
2: Right. 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 But I do feel like, Oh yeah, you should do that one first. You should know what, like, I mean, sex is supposed to be enjoyable. It's not supposed to be, you know, like, it like, shouldn't you know what, I mean, not like the goal of sex is orgasm, but like, shouldn't you at least know what that feels like before? (laughs) Yeah. Like I didn't, I was like, well, maybe I should figure this out. Like Mm -hmm. what does an orgasm feel like for myself? Um, and then like you know that was still years off after having sex but just like what you know like what how does your body work I think like that's that's what I really want that's like I think the primer that's like the first step and then the second step is like I don't know you know it's even this is this might sound crazy but like you know um, like trick-or-treat it was just Halloween not Mm going but like trick-or-treats on my feet give me something good to eat if you don't I don't care I'll pull down your underwear and it's like Oh my god! Like, do I have to worry about that? Oh my god! I never even
1: culture. I totally that that is a rhyme. I totally forgot about the rest of the like joke rhyme there. Ew.
2: (laughs) Right. (laughs) So it's like now she's saying that she's got kids in her school that have older siblings and they know it, and it's like you know, it's like well how. Something her nursery school teacher says is this is not something unrelated, but she says, like, hold things light as a feather. And I, I kind of like that in a way for this, because it's like, oh, my God, I'm not going to over explain why you shouldn't pull down someone's underwear right now. You yeah. know, like, that's not the idea. Or you don't need to explain but all of the, the like same
1: time, cultural assumptions that you <laughs> you're like, you're getting many messages about shame right now which she doesn't necessarily right. mean all explained to her but it is it's, that it's right. not until you pick it apart later that you're like wait why is that like a... yeah
2: yeah oh. so like these are the thing, these are like the nuances of like oh my you know you could be a neurotic parent and be like you don't touch other people's underwear you don't talk about you know like yeah. that's not funny because of this and like she doesn't understand that that's not mm-hmm. where she is so it's like you know, of course, meeting them where they are, but at the same time, being like, "Wow, how do you uh, how do you not be like a totally oversensitive parent? But how do you like, I don't know." And I think that's it too, is the stigma of what what is being um, like being slutty or being whorish or being you know like uh, promiscuous. Like what what are these? What do these terms mean for me? Like yeah. how did they hinder my sexuality and why what do I want to teach her about? Like how women should be in our culture and in their own lives. So yeah, it's it's fucking crazy though. It's like it's like, wow, I'm raising a human and I have to figure out how to do this. Yeah. And and be okay with fucking up, of course, but also like not do it the same way that my parents did it
1: okay cool sarah well thank totally you fine. this is amazing so well you know how to reach us um if you think of yeah. anything else you can always call <laughs> leave a message um if you if you have any misgivings or if you feel because i realize i just like sneak attacked called you out of the blue just feel free to leave us um to just leave another message and we can get back in touch yeah thank you for being so honest i mean this has been actually so inspiring the idea of sort of It sounds like the amount of thinking you've been doing about all of this between yourself and then now raising a daughter has just been really interesting. So yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, Thank you. Have a good night. You
0: too. Bye. All right. Bye. This is Alana Milner with a special request for your stories about your sex life. We'd love to hear from you. So give us a call. Our number, as always, is 646-494-3590. Can't wait to hear your stories. One voicemail I found
1: really interesting, after listening to You Don't Know Dick, the episode in which New York Times critic at large Wesley Morris delivered a sort of masterclass on black male sexuality and sexualized racism, we got a voicemail from another man named Wesley, also a gay black man who was offering a sort of different point of view.
2: Next message.
4: Um, I just wanted to respond to the podcast about black male sexuality. Um, It's such an interesting topic, and I think that my personal experience is one that even has more nuance because I am black, but I look like a white person. I have very, very fair features. I have blue eyes. Um, At best, I think I... I'm described as looking vaguely ethnic, and you would be surprised the things that you hear about other men of color who are around people who think you are only white. Um, it's such a weird thing. It is such a problem. I think the gay community has, and I think to Wesley's point, it is a thing that a lot of white gay men into, and they think that because they are also gay that they can't possibly be racist. But it is a thing that you hear all the time when people think that they are around only other white people who, quote unquote, must share this feeling. So thank you both for bringing this up. This is such an amazing topic, and I'm looking forward to more. Thanks.
1: Great. So let's give Wesley a call. Hello. Hi, this is Maureen from Sex Lives. Is this Wesley? Hi. Yes. Hi Wesley, I listened to your voicemail um, about how you. I listen to your voicemail where you mentioned that you've been in the room with other men who are making sort of sexualized racist comments without realizing that they might apply sort of directly to you. Right. What What do you do in that situation? Like, do you have any go to thing you usually do, or have you ever reacted?
4: You know, it's really weird because. There's this whole thing where you, you, like, your first response to it is, like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Because it's, like, a—it's you're surprised on two levels. You're surprised that, like, someone that you know and are hanging out with and consider a friend would be saying something that's so, like, hurtful and weird. Um, mm-hmm. So that's, like, that's usually my first, like, oh, okay. Um
1: it sends you reeling, sort of in your own head. It sounds like, yeah, because
4: you're yeah. like, I thought I knew this person, and I, I didn't think that this person who, you know, I hang out with and consider a friend or at least a good acquaintance would have these kind of thoughts. Yeah. Um. So that you have like this moment of like self-examination, um, and then it's it can go either way because if it's somebody that like. I kind of know, but don't really know. Then I'll say something and just be like, uh, "That's really weird." Like, don't say stuff like that. And I might not necessarily say like, "That's weird," for me as a black person. Mm-hmm. I might just literally be like, "That's weird." Yeah. Um, but then there's also this kind of competing fear that in doing so you're going to derail whatever like positive vibe. Was happening just before they said that. Yeah. Because you kind of have this thing where you're like, okay, wait, like, if I, <laughs> if I call out your racism, I'm now the person that has like changed how the party is running.
1: Yeah. And also that like sometimes you're like, well, now we have to have a conversation on race. And those exactly. are important conversations, but it's right. also like a burden to feel like you always have to be the person, you know, that, to feel like...
4: totally, yeah. ...isn't necessarily your
1: responsibility to educate the world, and yet when those moments happen, that's the thing that I struggle with, too, actually, about when to, in what circumstances it's okay to let something just pass versus in what circumstances I ought to say something or not.
4: Right. And I think that, I think it becomes a judgment call of um, a couple things. One, how well do you know this person? Um, and you know, do you care? Do you want them in your life after they have said them? Yeah. Um, and if you do, and you want to say, Hey, that was really hurtful for this reason. Um, then find out that, that conversation. Alternately, if you don't care about having this person in your life, you could just literally be like, you're a racist, <laughs> I
1: it's like, if they're not going to be in your life, it's sort of both, right? That you can just like go nuclear exactly. if you're in the mood. If they're not totally. in your life, I honestly think then it's just the judgment you're making is purely for yourself because you're not responsible for Absolutely. every stranger in the world. You can also just ignore it and be like, that's a racist stranger. It's not my responsibility to unracist him. Yeah. Unless you're feeling yeah. particularly charitable that day.
4: <laughs> right. Yeah. Or you're literally having a day where you're like, you know what I want to do? I just want to like light up a white person right now. Like, let me just... <laughs> Let me just get into this right now.
1: I totally have days like that, though. Like, there are days, totally, there are days when, say, I'm like, today's the day that if a man cat calls me, I am ready to just fucking tear apart a man.
4: Absolutely. And then I almost oh kind God. of
1: hope it happens.
4: <laughs> yes, same. Yes, you have that thing where you're like, you know what, I feel like white people have really been acting a little <laughs> bit extra right now. Like, let me just, I, I really hope somebody says something. Um. Yeah. Cool.
1: Well, thank you so
4: much. Thanks, you too. Bye. Bye.
1: Okay, so I want to play another voicemail for you and see what you think, Alana. Um, This one comes from a man named James, who called in
2: with a question. Next message. Hi, this is James from Pennsylvania. Um, I just had a question is
3: it okay to masturbate at work? And what I mean by that is um, there was a couple of times where I got really horny and I just went into the bathroom and masturbated very quickly. There was nobody else in there. Um, It is a multiple stall bathroom, but nobody came in and nobody was in there. When I had entered, Um, I went to use one of the more um, secluded bathrooms in the building that most people don't go into. Um, and I, you know, I was in and out in a minute, um, just real quick. Uh, and I was just wondering is that, um, acceptable or is that deemed inappropriate in the sex world? Um, I mean, I figured you're in a private stall, um, and I wasn't making any noise
2: and there wasn't anybody in there, like I said, so
1: that's probably enough. Okay, first of all, I'm really glad that we are speaking for the sex world now. <laughs> is that okay? In the sex world, as the entire sex world. So, as the sex world, Alana, what do you
0: think? Um, what, I think it's a really sweet message. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I really appreciate the, the thought that James uh, that he you James out there has put into this. Um, to me, I think that I think this is fine. You know, it, me too. And you know, I know that a lot of people don't.
1: Okay. I kind of think that what you do when you're in, if no one else is in the stall bathroom, right? Right. right. If someone else is even in another stall, then if there's no. any yeah. chance of even that like fapping noise right. to occur, that would just make somebody really uncomfortable. I agree. But I think like people do different things in bathrooms depending on what you need to do, right? Like, right. of those things. Exactly. You could go in the stall and like, if you have a medical condition, you're going to change your colostomy bag. If you are right, yeah, changing your outfit, maybe you're going to like. You, there are a lot of things you do in the bathroom besides literally go to the bathroom.
0: Exactly, exactly. Um, and masturbation, personally, masturbation is natural. It's something yeah. that humans do. Uh, there's nothing wrong with it. You know, it's not a. It's not a. Yeah. It's not an inappropriate act unto itself. I think it's just. It's sort of. It's inappropriate in public, right in public in relation to other people who are not consenting to to be present with that. So I think that, um, James, so long as you are by yourself and, you know, in a a private space in that sense. And you're a
1: positive you're alone.
0: Exactly. And
1: B, you're not taking too long. Right. If it's going to take you like forever to do it, then then you reach the situation of, you know.
0: Right. And as long as you're okay with like, you know, it might not. Get somebody might walk in the bathroom and you might have have to quit. Right. Yeah. And you also know that there was like a small
1: chance and depending on the situation and, you know, I trust your self-awareness. There's a small chance that maybe people at the office might know that's the guy who jerks off in the bathroom sometimes. But you know what? If you're okay with that. Godspeed.
0: (laughs) Amen. Amen. (laughs) Bless you, James. Do we need to get out? We do have to bounce. Okay. Um, cool.
2: Final message.
0: Well, that's it for Sex
1: Lives. That phone number is 646-494-3590. Sex Lives is produced by Afim Shapiro and Alana Milner. Thanks also to Andy Bowers and Laura Mayer at Panoply. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next week.